200 years have passed since the nuclear war raged to an end and the computers took over what was left of the world, sealed it off from the outside and made it perfect. There are those who believe that life here began out there. We can rebuild him. Hercules Atlas. These are their stories. Autopilot with Scott Johnson and Tom Merritt. Welcome back to Autopilot. This is Autopilot episode, I don't even know, season three episode something. What is it here? Oh, siete. <laughs> seven. Uh, Autopilot, everybody, where we take a pilot from a show, typically an older one, and we talk about it right here. My name is Scott. That future tank is so stupid looking, Johnson. And I'm joined by Tom. Those footies aren't really going to cut it in the desert merit. Unsafe footwear, Scott. That's the lesson <laughs> I learned from Logan's Run. Uh, Logan's Run, you say? Well, uh, that is today's pilot uh, with a pilot episode of the same name. Logan's Run's first show or episode is called Logan's Run, written by Saul David, Leonard Katzman, William F. Nolan, and directed by Robert Day. Let's get jumping right into the introduction, ladies and gentlemen. Right here, right here. Go directly to quadrant four. There'll be a girl called Jessica. How will I know her? She'll show you the amulet and take you to the door that leads to Sanctuary. I don't know why I'm talking so quietly. I bet she will. Yes. Uh, Logan's Run premiered on television September 16th, 1977. I was seven. Yeah, me Scott too. Was, you were eight. Oh, you were still seven. Seven, almost eight. Yeah, you were almost, almost eight. Yeah. Uh, it was a TV series based on a 1976 movie, which was based on a 1967 science fiction novel by William F. Nolan and George Clayton Johnson. Follows Logan Five, a Sandman, charged (laughs) with making sure citizens who turn 30 go to Carousel, where they are renewed. Spoiler alert, that means they get vaporized. Jessica Six doesn't like this so much and decides to run. Logan is supposed to catch her, but he goes with her instead and series. Oh, I get it now. Logan's, Logan's run. Run. By the way, yes, I was. I had just turned eight a couple of months prior. You're right. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. I figured. I don't like that at all. All right, let's take a <laughs> sneaky peek behind the scenes. Friends, I thought I could talk to you. We don't question the order of things. We're Sandman. Our job is to hunt down runners and terminate. Enter Sandman. <laughs> and terminate. Maybe that's why they had bad footies, because uh, they, they could handle the sand and walking around a lot. I don't know. Sand feet. Terrible. Uh, none of the cast of the movie appeared in this series. My ex- oh. my experience with Logan Drun is strictly the movie. I have no I had no knowledge that this existed before we started talking about it for the show. I didn't know there was a show or a series based on the film, and uh, didn't have it. I had no expectation for. See, what I watched the series when I was seven. Oh wow! See, you remember, I remember that. watching it? That was my introduction to Logan's Run. Was the TV series? The Try, TV show. Trying to remember what I remember at seven, and it ain't this for some reason. This is not on my memory list. Uh, DC Fontana of Star Trek writing fame served as story editor. William F. Nolan, co-writer of the novel and more input on the show than in the movie, uh, serving as writer. Scenes from the doomed city, sorry, domed city. <laughs> well, kind of both. Kind of <laughs> a little bit of both. Uh, were recycled from the film. So if that looked familiar, and it did, uh, that was used. And that makes sense. I mean, why would you rebuild all that if you got yeah, it already? Yeah, they have the rights to use it, sure. Some of the props designed for the movie were a few, or reused for the TV series, and the pilot episode featured heavy use of the miniatures and special effects from the film, which I loved, 
Love that stuff. Series used the uh, costume designs for the Sandman uniforms and recycled the guns used in the original film. Uh, so they had well. a big leg up. Yeah. As far as making this stuff. Yeah. By the way, those guns are cool. Just throwing that out there. Thought yeah. those looked great. Nice, they huh? did some dumb stuff but with them, but they looked cool in the hands of a Sandman. Uh, in, the, uh, in a change from the book and film, the television series had the city run by a cabal of elderly citizens. These are people that were clearly over the age of 30, which according to the citizens... Wasn't a thing you could do. You yes, couldn't grow that we are old. over 30. <laughs> Check us out. I've got wrinkles and gray hair. This was done at the bequest of uh, of CBS. I said bequest when really it was just a request. Well, it was request or behest, which <laughs> turns into them a together. Bequest, I guess. Sure, why not? Um, after they saw the first cut of the original pilot, if you watch the pilot, you'll see where Francis is about to go outside after Logan, then gets a message and walks away. This bit was added in. And it's totally obvious, like kind of ridiculous at some it, point. It didn't bother me as much on that end of it as it did on the other end. Like right. as soon as he's done meeting and mm-hmm. leaves, mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's back exactly in the position he was <laughs> when, he, when he got the message. Yeah, I feel like you okay. could have overlaid the film and it was literally the same frame, which is weird. Producer and writer Saul David was fired from the show after the first cut of the pilot. And uh, Ivan Goff and Ben Roberts, who get uh, producer credits, were brought in at that point. Sci-fi author Harlan Ellison uh, wrote episode seven, The Crypt, mm. with Alfred Hayes. So Logan's Run brought, you know, with DC Fontana on board, they, they brought in the big guns. Uh, David Gerald, do you know you know him? He's the Tribble guy. Oh, Tribble, Tribble Man. Tribble. Yep, yeah. yep, yep, yep. He wrote another sh- another episode in the series called Man Out of Time, but after his script was rewritten by someone else who was uncredited, I couldn't figure out who it was, uh, Gerald changed to using a nom de plume, mm-hmm. no award. So if you see a writing credit on Logan's Run for no award, it's actually David Gerald. I always wonder how these guys pick their their fake names when they want to, you know, they don't want to have their name associated with it. Yeah, what fake name would you, would you pick? Well, what's the famous director one? That's the... Um Oh, oh, I never like remember the, the name of the guy. Who directed Dune? That's uh, that's the name. Right, that name. That's the one. And they use it all the time. And then and so if a director's really pissed or walks away or whatever, they they do this pretty commonly and they use that same name. So I'm not sure, it, you know, I, that's the tradition, but I, susu- I assume you could use anything you want. So my name would be uh, Figaro Von... Uh, tipple, t- tipple or something like that. It'd be, it'd be really annoying. I'd make sure it was super annoying to say, uh, would be my goal. <laughs> oh, I'm looking at the wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find it on, uh, on uh, there's even a documentary about the use of the name and I can't remember people at home are screaming at their iPhones. Oh yeah. Cause it, cause there's a whole list of works. Right. That have been created by this. And there's a documentary that says the story of some of this guy's name or something like that. And it goes into all these historical moments in film where a director just couldn't deal with the suits anymore or the director sucked and got fired or, you know, whatever. And I, I don't remember his name. Well, IMDB says directed by David Lynch. IMDB, that is correct, but not correct. You know, like that's true. Now I need to actually watch. I'm sorry. We're going to have to stop the show while I watch Dune. Dave. Uh, oh no. David Lean was a real Alan Smith. Alan Smithy. That's it. Thank goodness. Oh, my gosh. That was a painful extraction. That shouldn't but yes. have been that hard. No, it shouldn't have been. Anyway, back to Logan's run. Uh, the series initially had solid ratings, but CBS constantly preempted the show, uh, which caused it to lose a lot of its audience. Only 11 episodes of the series were broadcast on the West Coast during its original run because they kept just going, well, West Coast, too late. Yep. Don't don't air it. Yeah. What are you going to do at that point? All right. Yeah. 
Time for some weird facts. Alert. Runner headed for Quadrant 4. Intercept. Not released on DVD until April 10th, 2012. I would I would remind you, uh, Tom, that's like, what, a year and a half ago? Yeah. We, we, we had already started doing autopilot before they released this on DVD. <laughs> wow. Think about that for a second. So um, we should mention here the way that we saw this was iTunes. They had it available. Right. Um, and you had mentioned something about Amazon, but that ended up being the movie that was streaming, right? Yeah. Can I stream IT failed me in this one. It said it was streaming on iTunes for, for the TV show or on Amazon for the TV show. And then when I went and looked it up, it was only the movie that was streaming. Yeah. So I think the database was a little confused. And this so. is one of the, the reason I mentioned this and I mentioned the DVD being a thing that's physically out there and you can get a hold of it now. Uh, or if you have iTunes or you, you know, some other streaming service we're unaware of that's showing it, do try to see it. I came away, and we'll talk more about this with what happened, but I came away liking it a lot more than I thought. So it's important to note, you can buy it for all reasonable low prices. Yeah. I think it's worth seeing. Uh, if you really want to see what California looked like during the uh, drought year of 1977, Logan's Run captured that experience pretty well. Yeah, you um, can tell when they're walking through that post-apocalyptic landscape looks pretty darn post-apocalyptic and and you know there saying, no water i was saying i wasn't remembering much from my seventh and eighth year but i do remember a lot of talk about how if you went to a restaurant in california during those years you had to request water they wouldn't bring it to you yeah um it wasn't. That was i remember seeing that on the tv yeah and i remember st louis kid, they were like what are these crazy californians doing <laughs> right now? and the gas shortage water all those lines in front of gas stations yeah, and all that yeah. stuff i remember i have really vivid memories of all of that but i was so young i couldn't really process it or make much out of it now i'd see that and go the end is nigh probably or something because yeah. that seems pretty rough no water, water no wars. gas <laughs> right for you forecast fans indeed uh, the hovercraft, another weird thing is the hovercraft vehicles used for the film, designed by Dean Jeffries Auto Styling, were used in other TV shows afterwards. Uh, after they canceled the series, Chips took advantage of them. I'm sure they didn't look the same as they did in Logan's no, Run for Chips. No. Uh, they were used in the movie Spaceballs, yeah. uh, in Ice Pirates. Love Ice Pirates. And the ground car was used in the music video for Tom Petty's You Got Lucky. So is that the tank car thing? Yeah. Oh, Lord. That thing is so dumb. Such a dumb design, but I guess the video is probably trying to be uh, ironic with it. They must be. If that, you got if, lucky yeah. and won a hover car. <laughs> with the message hover of that. tank car thing, something. Um, all right, now we can dig deep into what happened. Francis, that's the old city. No one can live in that air. If they can, we can. That's right. Let's go. Let's run, Logan. Uh, so they don't, I, they don't I, yell runner as much in the. In the pilot no, they don't. In uh, the movie. Nobody repeats the famous line, um, it is good to run or whatever it is. It is good to run. That didn't happen. Uh, they don't have the palm flowers either. Were that you, was, were, were you, that's true. Were you su surprised by how quickly the show went from we are in this city and now we're just going to skip all of that conflict and all of the internal conflict of I need to get out of here. I think there's something beyond here. They basically just ran right through that in a couple of minutes really and they'll, and most of this episode takes place after you're done logan has run, has run he is outside and most of the story is no longer part of the dome city it's no longer that 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 thing about him getting away and running away that really surprised me how quickly they jumped into that yeah i thought it was an interesting choice because they essentially retold the movie story mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. but they had decided not to remake the pilot 
as the entire movie again. They sort of fast-forwarded through it. They right. said, yeah, this is the stuff you needed to know from the movie. So there's Dome City, and everybody's in there, and go watch the movie if you really want more of that story. We're outside. Right. And I thought that was a smart choice because mm -hmm. for people who were at least familiar with the movie, even if they hadn't seen it, watching it all over again would have been tedious yeah. on television. So this said, we'll catch those up. For people who haven't seen the movie, don't really know what's going on, but let's get to the fun stuff. And I, it's a great premise for a procedural 1970s television show, which is they're they're on the run, and who knows what strange survivors have have existed outside the dome now that we're out there. Yeah, and I and I, and that whole motif, that whole idea, the whole the whole concept of of Logan's Run is um, more used than you think. If you take a bird's eye view of kind of its tropes and its storytelling techniques and its plot points and even characters, it suddenly hit me watching this pilot specifically. And I had just, I just watched the Island again, the, the Michael or the uh, yeah, Michael Bay movie that was uh, basically yeah. this, this story with Mila Jovanovic. Uh, who's in that? No, that was, um, no, it was Black Widow. What's her name? Uh, Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. Johansson. Yeah. Sorry. And, and uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi's in it. Um, <laughs> right. I can't think of his name all the time. Anyway, young Obi-Wan. Yes, Obi young Obi-Wan. And it's great. It's a, I think Dude. that movie's a lot of fun. Dude, there you go. And uh, it's great in the sense that some of those same things are there. And I realized watching this that part of the reason I think I really like this pilot is I think I'm a, I'm a fan of this particular and I almost, almost want to call it a genre of its own. It's science fiction, it's future speculation, it's all that stuff. But it's this thing about closed society. Everybody thinks they're okay in there. A few people, you know, start to feel like, well, this is kind of oppressive and I want to know what's really out there. I feel like I'm being lied to. That whole motif is very common, more common than you realize. And so many movies, so many books and stories take from that that core idea. Now I don't know who started. It. I don't know if Logan's run, Logan's run, the book was the impetus for the story type, mm. but so mm -hmm. many use it. I'm just in the thick of the wool series, the books by Hugh Howley, who yeah. and I am loving that uh -huh. man. Oh, I thought exactly the same thing, especially when they first come out yep. of the dome yep. and they're just this little hatch yep. in the middle of nowhere. I'm like, oh, Hugh Howie, you totally stole that. Totally, totally. <laughs> and it, went, it occurred to me, why am I enjoying Wool so much? I think it's because I enjoy this this subgenre of science fiction so much. This post-apocalyptic, uh, we're all trapped um, thing. And even some of your writing, uh, I think, I wouldn't say lifts from this, but there, certainly there's some inspiration there, at least some similar qualities. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used to eat it up, man. Just eat yeah, it up. I, I, I loved this series as a kid. Like I said, I was fascinated with it. And, uh, you know, I'm a sucker for a moss-covered capital, you know, post-apocalyptic destruction porn yeah. scenario, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that scene, which is taken from the movie, that I'm like, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. <laughs> You're all in. Uh, and 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 the cool thing, and I think this is maybe what why you and I like it so much, is there's something fascinating about the idea of civilization being sequestered for a long time and then climbing out and rediscovering the Earth. Yeah. So it's like investigating an, an alien planet, but it's not alien. Right. Right. And there's this there's these other aspects, like the people who they're like children. They're like in, they're like full grown children. They don't know any better. Because they have been taught by whatever those powers may be. In this case, it's the Council of Old Men. Um, that that this is life. This is where you are. You live till thirty. Termination happens. Whatever, however the story goes. Michael Bay's twist on that is is different, but in, but equally interesting, I think. Um, and these all of these stories, and even the way that Wool handles things. And I won't spoil those books for anyone because I think they're they're the, my favorite thing I've read this year. It took me forever to get to reading them, but anyway. 
all of those things add up to this kind of notion of, well, I think what it's okay. Let me back up. The way zombies speak to people, which is brains. No, the way the zombie stories speak to people. It's not that they're scary dudes with half their flesh hanging off. That's not the important part. The important part of what George Romero and others have done is to say, no, this is like a, this is a simile to things that happen in your real life. This, this mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, consumerism gone too far. This is blind, um, you know, following of, of, of what your government tells you to do or whatever. And yeah. we all relate to it and we get it. In the same way, I think these, these movies are kind of like, well, you're, think of it as like a parental thing. You're telling me that I live in this dome and that's how it's always been and I need to be here and contribute. And you've made up all of these, these uh, constructs and barriers that I just have to accept. But at some point in your life, you grow up and you go, wait a minute. I want to start thinking for myself. I want to start figuring life out, you know, on my own. I don't need to do everything my parents tell me to do. What if they're just full of crap? I think this stuff speaks directly to that part of humanity, and that's why it works so well, and that's why everybody uses it and steals it and spreads it around a little bit further. I've I've gone probably too far to explain why I like that so much, but I I think it's an important piece of subgenre. Well, and I think what's really interesting about this, looking at the pilot from 77 in the context of the book in, in what was it? I said 67. Yeah. yeah. So, so exactly 10 years later is then the story's the same, but the emphasis shifts. In 1967, when the book comes out, it's very much youth culture and hippies and protests and never trust anyone over 30, right? Right, right? So that's the conceit of Logan's Run. It's very much about what if a society doesn't trust people over 30 so much that they kill them? Right. And CBS wades in and goes, well, 1977, that theme's been a little beaten up. So let's bring in some old people and turn it on its head to where the don't trust anyone over 30 is actually coming from, from the adults. Right. From the old people, the few behind yeah. the scenes manipulating the young people, yeah. and that that turns it into what you're talking about with this sort of like, wait a minute, I need to learn to think for myself and not obediently, you know, follow what what the computers or in this case the old people are saying. Right. Did you notice that the narration at the beginning says that computers have taken over the world? <laughs> yeah. And yet we find out in the course of the pilot that they haven't taken over the world. It's actually a bunch of old people that CBS wanted to sit. Right. Now, keep in mind, the latter portion of the uh, of the pilot does deal directly with computer. Uh, you know, I right. Like, we have that whole city of the, the robots. Yeah. Exactly. City of yeah. the synthetics, which I really now again, that thing was riddled with tropes and stuff I've seen before. Sure. But I loved the way it was handled and I really got into it. By the way, major Utah connection, the main robot guy. That's uh, Keen Holbrook Curtis, a bit of a local character actor celebrity around not, here. Not the one who goes off with them. No, no, in, no, no. Because uh, no. he's, a, he's a big uh, all my children, I think. Yeah, Donald or, Moffat is that guy. Yeah, Donald Moffat, right. Now you're not talking about Donald Moffat. You're talking about the one who's like, I am going to serve you. Yeah, that so guy. You have to stay in this prison so I can serve you. The one that hung out with Siri all the time. Right, and then Siri uh, crashed. <laughs> Siri totally crashed. They, they made an Apple joke before they ever knew they were. Yeah, but that guy's big shot around here. Everyone loves him, and he died not right. in 2002, oh. but up till then, a bit of a local... Uh, so he's not as much of a big shot. Anymore. Well, not so much anymore. <laughs> Born here, died here. Crazy. Anyway. There you go. Uh, what was I? I was going there. Some, uh, I can't remember where I was going. You I were was, in Utah Connection, big deal, main robot. Yeah. Robots. Oh, uh, the robot <laughs> stuff. I just yeah. thought that was... Um, really handled well and i honestly this is a little embarrassing because i can usually see things coming from a mile away but i didn't know they were androids at first and i wasn't getting the clues were great but i wasn't they weren't sinking in 
So when they were saying, oh, yeah, we're, we've been here. What war? We do not have a word for that. And how robotic they all moved. It still wasn't clicking with me. I just thought they were weird and crazy and cult-like. Yeah, yeah. And then they got to the end and I went, oh, that's why. And then it was a really satisfying reveal, which I'm not used to getting from a series that aired in the 70s. So that well, And Donald Moffat just plays it perfectly, right? Yeah. He's he's so good with the like, oh, I'm a robot too, of course. <laughs> yeah, he's Just a great. better one, that's all. He's great. In fact, our rap party today deals with him directly, which uh, we'll get to here in a minute. But lest we not mention that the show's got some problems. Um, most of it, I think, aesthetically speaking, that car tank is super stupid, super dumb. It probably looked a lot better in 1977. It probably does, doesn't hold up well over there. It does years, not hold right? up. Yeah, all these things don't hold up. These riders that were kind of marauding around and terrorizing everybody. Oh, yeah. They look like Magneto cosplay and not good cosplay. <laughs> I like the fact that in the future, children will go to sleep wrapped in foil. <laughs> yeah, those future blankets. One of my favorite yeah. things in science fiction of the 60s and 70s. Everybody thought that you couldn't just have a plain old blanket. Oh, no. In the future, blankets will be silver. Yeah, they got to be all shiny and sparkly and have little bits of whatever children in them. Are little burritos that you're gonna stick in the oven right and nobody sleeps on a real bed everything's like oh no yeah a brick like what are you doing that's too funny how that stuff works out anyway i liked it a lot i i I, you know i surprisingly well i i expected to like it because i liked it so much in 77 but i liked it for different reasons yeah some different reasons not all different sure but I would. Um, how do you? How would you feel about a new, like a rethink of this, like a BSG treatment? Well, and there's treatment? there's been a lot of talk about like bringing it back and doing it again. Uh, I think it'd be awesome in yeah. the right hands, sure. obviously. Sure. Because uh, I think, like you say, it's kind of a, a nicely tested trope that, when done well, is really fun to watch and and really interesting. Yeah. Uh, I do think that they have a little bit of a weird message with the old people that were living in the shelter. Mm. Uh, when they get, when they finally show up, they just like turn into a violent mob. <laughs> yeah. That so was the a lesson to me was if you free people, they will turn violent. Yeah. That the, and the lesson that that was the better solution rather than the peaceful one, I think is you could argue about that for a while. I think also, I think that the, the other, so somehow they have this hover car, which gets them across large distances much faster. Right. Yet the other guys were on foot the whole time. And, Somehow caught up to him at every turn, and they're wily. There's things like that. that you're just like, well, yeah, I'm yeah, not great, but uh, I don't know. I think I think it was pretty good. Now that that sends us right into rap party. You ready for this? I'm ready. All right. You see, we're a contained society. The city of domes can only support a finite number of people. Therefore, an appropriate age had to be determined for the end of life. For the end of life. Well, you see, mm. we are old people. I'm going to extend my words in this now. Way. We're almost all entirely men, so <laughs> figure that one out for yourself. We've got one lady here, but she's kind of ugly, so don't worry about it. Um, let's see here. Rap party. So this is just a little short little nugget we like to put at the end of the show, if you're familiar with the episodes. And today, I'm going to focus in on Donald Moffat a little bit. Uh, his role came late in the episode, but nonetheless, there he was. He's the only human, apparently, working on uh, or working at the big robot city in the mountains. And his job was to repair all of these broken robots. So he was working on Siri after her big blowout. And you guys think we're kidding. That's really her name. That's like literally her name. And I don't know. No, if- it, 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 uh, yeah, that's the, the robot's name. Obviously, that's where uh, Apple stole it. Did they? Do you want? I no, wonder. I, I, no, I don't think so. I, I think wonder. Because Siri actually is another 
ancient word, and I think they're just both stolen from the same source. Oh, fair enough. Okay. So anyway. way, Donald Moffat, One Life to Live, all mm-hmm. you all my children fans who are screaming at the podcast yeah. can settle down. Giant eyebrows. You know him from things like The Thing, which is part oh, of yeah. today's nugget, but you also know him from, like, he was the president in Clear and Present Danger, and he's always playing a guy like that. So that's that guy. He's great, and he's super old now. Um, anyway, and still kicking. Donald Moffat, I pulled this just because I like it. It's one of my favorite scenes from The Thing. Uh, probably is my favorite scene. Uh, it's when everybody, this is the uh, John Carpenter film where everybody's testing each other's blood to, say, to see who might have the alien in them. And Donald Moffat is tied to a chair, to a couch. He can't move. And they're finally getting around to testing him or testing his blood. And when they figure out it, he's not an alien, this is what he yells. Here you go. I know you gentlemen have been through a lot. And when you find the time, I'd rather not spend the rest of this winter tied to this couch! Look at that business. Woo! (laughs) Because I'm actually a robot from Logan's Run, (laughs) not an alien. Uh, He's great in that. And I watched that. We watched that semi-recently for Film Sack. Totally Uh, holds up. The thing is great. You guys should spend some time with it. Next week, Tom. Mm. Uh getting our Thomas Magnum on Magnum oh, PI. Yeah. 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 Um, having already seen it, I can tell you that I'm very excited to talk about a thing that I had sort of forgotten about completely other than, you know, Tom Selleck is a real charmer and all that. The only man in the world that looks good in a mustache, but we're going to tear that episode apart and talk about what made it tick on our nary, uh, nary on our very next episode of, uh, of autopilot. So nary a moment to lose. <laughs> nary a moment to lose. Uh, go check it out you guys Logan's Run now on iTunes and other places go check it out watch it I think you guys will enjoy it I'm actually thinking about watching the entire series which is a little bit weird uh, I'm glad you said it's that. only two seasons right two one one oh, season I think it's more than that yeah, is it more we'll okay. talk about it next week alright we'll talk about that next week uh, Magnum PI next week be here in the meantime you can find us on the web at autopilotshow.com you can email us at autopilotshow at gmail.com we kept it real easy and all consistent. You can follow me on Twitter at Scott Johnson, Tom at Ace Detect, and the show at Autopilot Show. That's going to do it for us, for me, for Tom. We'll see you next time. Do you think Sanctuary is real? <laughs>